Welcome in to Sunday Belt, the football podcast exclusively covering the Sunbelt Conference. Christian Gokel alongside Robbie Ross. Uh, you can find more of our stuff on southernpigskin.com. And we are, of course, presented to you by Satisfied Food Co. Uh, if you're looking for pimento cheese, something to get the tailgate ready, check out Satisfied Food on Facebook. But another interesting week inside the Sunbelt seemed like the teams that are standing atop the league, kind of asserted themselves. Really close games in the conference. Uh, obviously, what happened there between South Alabama and Louisiana. But I want to start with the game that we pointed out last week as our game of the week coming in uh, for week five. Georgia Southern, the schedule gets weird. It was supposed to be a four o'clock kick, but because of Hurricane Even, it gets moved to a seven o'clock kick. Georgia Southern heads up to Coastal Carolina to take on the shot to clears and gave them everything they wanted this past weekend. And the thing that stood out to me was this season, this was game wasn't supposed to be close, but for a vast majority of this game, Georgia Southern looked like the better team. Yeah, it took a 24-14 lead in the fourth quarter uh, before Coastal Carolina came storming back. Uh, another little side note, Georgia Southern did not travel to Conway until Saturday morning due to uh, Hurricane Ian, Tropical Storm Ian at that point, uh, hitting the South Carolina coast and um, uh, southeast Georgia as well. Uh, so they, they couldn't get a hotel room for Thursday night and Friday night. Only had a hotel for Friday night. Didn't want to travel Friday. So Coach Clay Helton decided, hey, we're going to have to travel up day of, uh, which, you know, is not ideal uh, to have to travel up on a bus for probably the better part of three, maybe four hours. I didn't do the math from Statesboro to to, uh, the Myrtle Beach area. Uh, But sit on a bus uh, most of the day, get your legs back, play a football game, did a great job, like I said, leading 24-14 to in the fourth quarter. And then that Eagle defense, which uh, we knew coming into the season was going to be probably the question mark, Uh, the pass defense specifically, just could not uh, get off the field and could not hold Coastal in check. They scored uh, quick, long strikes. uh, And finally, of course, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we saw the Miracle on the Mountain 2 with Appalachian State uh, over Troy. Now we have to see the Myrtle Hurdle by uh, C.J. Beasley. That was unbelievable. um, You know, jumping over a Georgia Southern defender at the eight-yard line uh, with 38 seconds to go to give the the Chanticleers the win. Yeah, 24th quarter points for Coastal Carolina. uh, And not to get too abstract with you here, but I'm starting to think just because of how long he's been there and the amount of success that he's had, the amount of yards he's thrown for, huge wins, and just kind of elevating a program and a conference. I'm starting to think by the end of this thing, Grayson McCall is going to have his name up there as maybe the best slash greatest quarterback to come through the Sun Belt. Uh, This past Saturday, 23 of 34, 335 yards, three touchdowns through the air. Uh, Also had 34 yards on the ground for another score, just in kind of that fun offense that they run where it's, it's a power. It's a lot of misdirection, a lot of option, but the way he's able to do that and also transition into throwing the football. And like I said, the amount of wins that he's been able to accrue. I I think he's certainly put his name, at least in the conversation. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he, the way he fits balls in, tight windows is, is what impressed me on Saturday and, and throughout his career and how he can go over the top after pounding it out, like you said, on the ground. 
you have to defend everything against Coastal Carolina, which makes them so dangerous. But uh, by the time they're done, you're right. They're probably going to rename the stadium after him for one. And uh, he has rewritten all the Sunbelt Conference uh, quarterback records, if not most of them. Looking at Coastal Carolina now, 5-0, and 2-0 and in conference. They've beaten both of the Georgia teams uh, in back-to-back weeks here. Are they your favorite right now in the conference, or are there some other teams maybe that have played just a little bit tougher schedule? Well, yeah, I think that they are right now heads and shoulders above anybody right now because they, you know, they, they're holding court. Um, you know, they are able to knock off teams one at a time and it's what you need to do. So they want to host that conference championship game uh, on the teal turf come uh, the first weekend in December. And you just kind of have to click, uh, you know, click off wins as you do and, and beating the Georgia teams, uh, you know, start, where was Georgia state four and Georgia Southern was five. They still have two, three and four or two and three to defeat in the East for the preseason rankings, they still got app. They still got Marshall. And now all of a sudden they got James Madison. They have to contend with to win the East. Yeah. I was going to say, we're going to find out about them. They got Monroe coming up this week, which uh, I think they should be a heavy favorite in that game. But then their schedule looks like home against old dominion at Marshall home against app state Southern miss, and then at Virginia and at James Madison to finish the year. So we're going to find out about Coastal Carolina. Uh, one performance from Georgia Southern that I want to talk about. Kyle Van Trees looked good, uh, but maybe not his best game. But, man, I think they found something in Jalen White. Uh, 18 carries, 145 yards for him on the ground, as well as a score. Uh, the junior running back there, I know there's a lot of talk about the four-star running backs that they picked up and some of the other guys on the team, but it, it's the junior who's really starting to become that bell cow bag. He is 450 yards on the year so far, 74 carries, seven touchdowns. He had that long of 71. Uh, I think that was against Nebraska when he really, really, that was really his coming out party uh, against Nebraska. Gerald Green uh, also that in that running back room playing good football. And O.J. Arnold uh, from Brooks County uh, won a state championship last year. Uh, the freshman has really done some nice things uh, in that running back room as well. So the running backs – by committee, but Jalen White is kind of sticking his neck up uh, as the head of that committee a little bit. Now, the other big game I wanted to talk about, South Alabama. I said last week people needed to pay attention to them because Kane Womack's done an excellent job, uh, and they go down to Louisiana and beat them 20-17. to 17. Now, I know this isn't Billy Napier, Levi Lewis, Louisiana of years past with Elijah Mitchell uh, and some of the running backs they've had come through there, but still – one of the teams that's been the cream of the crop in the Sun Belt for the past few years, South Alabama, went down and got a conference win uh, in a big-time way. They're now 4-1 and one on the season, 4-1 and one for the first time since, I believe, 2010, which was their football program's second year in existence where they were just playing an FCS schedule and going out and getting whatever games they could. So arguably the greatest start in the history of the South Alabama program and all of a sudden, a team that it's like with Sam Pittman at Arkansas, right? It's just, it kind of seems like the coach fits. Kane Womack has turned the Jaguars into a force here in the Sun Belt. Yeah, and it was a grinded out kind of win. You look at the box score, and there are not any stats that jump out at you as saying, wow, South Alabama. I mean, their quarterback was 18 of 41, very pedestrian, 
245 throwing and uh, and an interception, no touchdowns. Uh, Their leading rusher was Webb with 75 rushes or 75 yards for a touchdown. Very grinded out type game. They did have a a, a receiver, Lacey, that caught five balls for 112 yards, uh, but nothing really jumps out at you with the stat sheet. Uh, They just got it done. And uh, to take a leg up in the in the Sun Belt West, uh, I mean that is very important. You win against the Raging Cajuns like Monroe did a couple of weeks ago, and the tide is kind of shifting a little bit in the West to where it's anybody's division at this point. Yeah, South Alabama standing on top right now there with their record again only only loss so far this season that one point loss uh, at still undefeated UCLA who got who they just beat the heck out of this past weekend. They smoked somebody, uh, but still a really impressive start to the season for them. James Madison, I know it's Texas State, but they put up one of those scores that you're supposed to put up when you're becoming one of the favorites in your league. They're now 4-0 on the season. Uh, They take down Texas State 40-13. So, so far, their resume looks like this. Beating Middle Tennessee State 44-7, beating Norfolk State 63-7, then obviously they have that close win, that comeback from 28-3 down against Ab State last week. And then again, in what could have been an emotional letdown game, the Dukes just go out there and take care of business 40-13. to I mean, I know it's easy when it's someone's first year in something and they get off to a 2-0, 3-0 start to start being like, uh-oh, these guys are somebody to pay attention to. But I just think the way that they're playing and the scores that they're putting up, plus the win uh, against one of the premier programs in the in the conference – James Madison, I think, someone to really take serious as a contender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they got two big road games ahead of them. They go to Arkansas State this week uh, and then to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern before returning home against Marshall. Uh, but they are just taking care of business, and they're pretty much taking care of business um, in ways that you don't really expect an FCS team or a transition team to do, but um, their quarterback is throwing it well, 15 of 25 for 257. Their ground game uh, is impressive too, where they have um, <clears throat> Paul, excuse me, Latrell Palmer last week, 27 carries, 106 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. And against Texas State, that's what you have to do. You just, you know, put it in the end zone. Texas State's not going to really scare you in any form or fashion. And that was a, a cruising game. And, and you know, we'll see what they do at Arkansas State because that's another one that they should, on paper, win. And then had Georgia Southern been able to hold on and, and take care of business in Atlanta this week, that would have been a big matchup. And it still could be uh, a big, big matchup in, in, in Statesboro in two weeks. Uh, because, as I said last week, I don't think that anybody is, even though Coastal looks really good right now in James Madison, I don't think anybody's going to win the Sun Belt East uh, going undefeated. Uh, it's definitely one of those divisions. Not to, For the people out there who are going to freak out, not to sound sacrilegious, but very much an SEC West kind of feel to it, yeah. right, where it's just the premier programs in the conference are just kind of stacked on one side right now. It kind of feels like that in the Big Ten sometimes as well, where it's just like, man, just a murderer's row for one division and then just kind of whoever comes out of the other side right now. Just It's how it's stacked up right now, but I also feel like early in the year, we're so excited for college football to get back that we're looking to do like a season recap after every single week, right? We want to bury teams uh, that have lost games and just forget about them, when in reality, that one loss isn't really going to define your entire season. Team like that, is the Troy Trojans, right? Currently three and two on the season. And after that App State Hail Mary loss, 
just, all right, well, we can move on from the Trojans, right? But the reality is their only two losses of the year were at Ole Miss, a top 10 team that just took down Kentucky uh, this past week. And then again, the at app state where they control that football game and it took a miracle for the Mountaineers to pull it out, right? Past couple of weeks, you beat Marshall 16 to seven. Uh, and then this past weekend, you go up to Western Kentucky, a really good football program and beat them 34 to 27. I mean, Troy just kind of grinding it out, getting back to where they need to be, and I think they're going to be a contender in the West. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. And and even though we've seen what um, what South Alabama's done, I think it's going to come down to Troy and South Alabama now to shake it all out in the West. But um, they may, uh, with that win over Western Kentucky, uh, may be the premier out of conference win for the Sun Belt in uh, against group of five conferences. Um, I know, of course, everybody's going to say, oh, well, App and, and Georgia Southern and, and Marshall with their uh, power five wins. But talking about group of five versus group of five, I think the best best win is Troy versus Western Kentucky because they had just come off scoring something like 70-something points the week before. Uh, and then Troy just rolls in there and takes care of business. Um, their quarterback, Watts, Gunnar Watson, 15 of 28, 202 yeah. throwing with an interception, and then they had uh, the backup or a second quarterback, Jarrett Doge. He goes 7 of 8 for 71 yards and two touchdowns. So they have a, two, a dual-headed monster at quarterback instead of at running back. That, but And then you say, well, they can't run the ball. Well, they do run the ball. D.K. Billingsley, 24 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown. So Troy, kind of a, a, a double-headed monster throwing the football with two quarterbacks and rushing the ball uh, looks to be – Right now, of course, it's still very, very early. Looks to be uh, ahead of the pack in the in the West uh, with South Alabama right there on their tails. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the Sun Belt's trying to move away from the G5 term, but I saw over the weekend they tweeted out they're the best non-autonomy conference <laughs> in yes. college football, and they're home to the final two remaining unbeaten non-autonomy five programs. The non-autonomy five just doesn't have the same kind of ring to it as G5. I mean, I guess the you call it the NA5, which sounds like yeah. a WWF like wrestling federation kind of a team, but yeah, the the non-autonomy conference. All right, I say this one for last because you know, alma mater here uh, and proud of the boys for getting it done. They had a chance to start the season 0 and 5. Yep. Whoever scheduled their or whoever yeah, whoever programmed out their schedule either is just a glutton for punishment or has issues with some coaches on that team because Georgia state starts the season with games against South Carolina and North Carolina. And then their first conference game is coastal Carolina and then drops a game by one point to Charlotte start the season. Oh, one four. I can't imagine like obviously the Alabamas and Georgias, but I can't imagine for a coaching staff, a much worse situation to get a team ready for after starting 0-4, then, hey, guys, we got to hit the road and take on Army. Like, yeah. we have to completely change practice. We're going to be running the triple option with the scout team. You got to get ready for flex bone sets, for cut blocks. You, you got to get ready for a lot of stuff that you guys – it used to be something that was common to see in high school, so at least the players had some sort of taste of it. But now, when you look at college football, everybody in high school is running the spread. Nobody's running flex bone. Nobody's running true triple option anymore. So these guys, for the most part, have never seen this offense before. So you start 0-4, and then you got to go to Army. I thought that was a big deal for uh, Sean Elliott's team to get up there and win that one 31-14 against 
not the best Army team we've seen in recent years under Jeff Munkin, but I mean, a team that potentially has a first round pick on it. Yeah, and 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 a team that still ran for three fifty four, uh, only scoring uh, two touchdowns. Georgia State did a great job of running the football as well. Uh, they ran for almost three hundred yards. If it weren't for uh, a couple of sacks, uh, they ran for two ninety nine. And 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 Granger, all he did was go eight of twelve, threw it when he had to, eight of twelve for. Uh, 157 yards and a touchdown. And Tucker Gregg, give him credit, 124 yards, that uh, 56-yard long touchdown that kind of really set the tone. And Georgia State going on the road, that's a good road win. I don't care if Army's 1-3. and three, I, That is a good road yeah. win under the conditions you talked about. Being 0-4, having to go on the road, dealing with travel concerns all up and down the East Coast uh, with the uh, Hurricane Ian. But to go on the road and get that win – right before your rivalry week. And that's what's yep. big, I think, is getting the win, getting some confidence before you come back home to Center Park Field and you host your rival that you have, let's be honest, owned the last couple of years. Yeah, we're going to get to that here in a second because that's our game of the week coming up for week six. Uh, but a couple other scores, Marshall uh, takes down Gardner-Webb 28-7. to uh, and then App State takes care of business against the Citadel, which is having a rough time of their own over in the SoCon. Uh, App State wins that one 49 to nothing. But the final matchup I want to talk about here, Arkansas State, uh, I think, gets a big-time win for their program. 45-28 uh, to 28 at home under or over UL Monroe. And listen, it hasn't been a great start for Arkansas State under the new regime but I think a win like this, right, where the offense starts clicking again, you almost put up half a hundred, you get a conference win over a team that was coming off of a big-time conference win. I know it's UL Monroe, and I know you're still under 500 on the season, but I think for that coaching staff, this was a big-time win to try to start moving things in the right direction. And not only for the coaching staff and the program, but for James Blackman, the quarterback, who has had all the tools and all the talent uh, for the last couple of years at that quarterback for the for the Wolves. He finally seemed to put it all together against Monroe. 25 of 32, 254 yards, two touchdowns, uh, completing balls to a number of eight different receivers. And that offense was finally clicking. And yes, you say Monroe, but don't forget, Monroe just beat Louisiana last week, and so that was kind of a big – in the West, it's going to be kind of a who do you knock off this week and who do you knock off next week and kind of a just a stepladder type situation. And Arkansas State takes a big step to get to um, to get a win over Monroe, like I said, who beat Louisiana last week unexpectedly. But I think for confidence level for James Blackman, the leader of that team at quarterback – that was a huge step for him. Yeah, and for Butch Jones and that entire Arkansas State program. How about Johnny Lang uh, for the Red Wolves? Ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and returned a kickoff 98 yards uh, for a touchdown there for Arkansas State. So I know in baseball you can hit for the cycle. I think in, in football, like the only other thing he could have done is like gone in on defense and got a pick six because that was a heck of a day uh, for Johnny Lang there in the Arkansas State Red Wolves. All right, we'll get into the game of the week coming up here in a second. But I wanted to ask you, as – Conference realignment made news again last week where the Big Ten is apparently looking to expand uh, and try to go after some of the, they're calling it like the four-corner approach to the Pac-12 where they're going after the Washingtons, going after the Oregons, going after the Stanfords in that conference. It, it makes news again. 
I think this has been an interesting look at how regionalism in the Sun Belt is still important inside college football. The Sun Belt expanded this year, but they went and they got the James Madisons, which makes sense, right? They go in and they add a team that connects them, right? You add the Southern Misses, you add these teams that connect your states, and you're staying regional, I think, for that, right? You have Georgia Southern fans that can hit the road to Conway, South Carolina, and, and watch that football game, right? If you're a Coastal Carolina fan at the end of the year, when you're taking on James Madison, that's not too bad of a trip for you. I think this has been interesting where, as everyone's saying with the way technology works and travel works now in college football, that, listen, it's not that big of a deal to have UCLA playing Rutgers. I think the Sun Belt's showing that it's the opposite, right? That rivalries still matter inside of college football and that being able to drive and watch your team play is still important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, driving for Georgia Southern, although weather conditions did not warrant uh, driving, you know, in an ideal situation, driving to Conway, South Carolina for a football game is not out of the realm of possibility. Even if you're in Statesboro and you want to drive to Harrisonburg, Virginia, yeah. it'd be a great fall road trip for a family to go up to uh, the, 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 the Commonwealth of Virginia and watch your team play James Madison. Conversely, if you uh, or a Georgia Southern team or a Georgia State team that want to, you know, in that year where you have Southern Miss, maybe you've never been to Mississippi. Not an, not a bad drive, not, uh, you know, six, seven hours. Um, but my concern for these UCLA's and Oregon's, and you look back to the South Alabama game at UCLA, 11 a.m. local time kickoff, and there was nobody in the stadium the folks in, in L.A., they don't wake up before 1 o'clock. <laughs> How are you going to expect folks, of fans of USC, UCLA, and the like to be playing on the Big Ten Network in the noon window to get up at 11 a.m. or even earlier? Right. Let's say it's USC and Rutgers at noon in the Big Ten game on the Big Ten Network. That's 9 a.m. Eastern, t- 9 a.m. Pacific time in Los Angeles. Nobody's going to be there. That's my concern with these West Coast teams joining a East Coast conference, for lack of a better term, and having to play these early games because it fits their network footprint. And it's just, it, like I said, I think it still matters that fans are able to drive and see their teams play. Uh, always a good contingent of App State fans when they come down to Statesboro, right? Exactly. Uh, you know there's going to be a ton of Georgia Southern fans in Atlanta uh, for that game coming up. And speaking of that one, that's our game of the week coming up in week six. Uh, which side of this game doesn't call it a rivalry? That'd be Georgia Southern. Yeah, Georgia Southern doesn't call this one a rivalry, but I think in-state against a conference opponent, I think we can kind of lean towards rivalry here a little bit. Uh, and Georgia State has led this series uh, since the start, 5-3 and three overall, uh, won the last two in a row in this matchup. For uh, Clay Helton coming into this game, I think it's important not just – for a win this year, but recruiting wise overall for the pitch that you're putting out there that they go up to Atlanta and show what this program can be about. Yeah. I mean, for the folks that, that say this isn't a rivalry, that's silly. I mean, and I think it's more of a ego thing that these fans are saying more than anything else, the little brother type thing, but let's, let's face it. Like you said, uh, three and a half, four hour drive away in state, you're battling for the same recruits. You're in the same division. This is a rivalry. And Georgia Southern, I think Coach Helton realizes we got to treat it as a rivalry. I'm not so sure that Coach Lunsford did, and it hurt him last year. Uh, or I think he was gone by this time. But uh, nevertheless, 
that game last year was not close in Statesboro. Georgia State came in and took care of business. And I think Georgia Southern needs to establish themselves in this series. If the Georgia Southern fans want to call it a series more than the rivalry, that's fine. They have to establish themselves in this series for this year alone more than anything else. Um, Put the rivalry aside. You have to win this year if you want to achieve your goals and stay in the right uh, path moving forward for Clay Helton in year one. This is a win you have to take, you have to get, because then you get James Madison at home, you get Marshall at home, you get App at home. You've got to take care of this game on the road since last week slipped through your fingers at Coastal. Yeah, for Georgia State, looking to get back in the win column again, starting the season one and four with a win over Army this past week. Big for them if they could get two wins in a row, especially against, uh, uh, we'll call it another team, in their state, but you and I both know it's a rivalry. If you are a fan of college football and you're hitting the road this weekend to go watch your team, I encourage you to go to satisfiedfoodco.com. Look for the original, the OG smoked pimento cheese spread. Uh, You can go to the website, again, satisfiedfoodco.com, and you can click find a store near you to figure out uh, which local gas station or store near you uh, it carries their products but again satisfiedfoodco.com just the perfect pairing uh, for you and your tailgate Robbie I appreciate it man another fun week in the Sun Belt got another one coming up but for me man I'm excited because this looks like it's shaping up to have some epic games down the wire yeah absolutely Uh, this week's good one also one to keep an eye on James Madison at Arkansas State that's going to be a key. And then Southern Miss, we hadn't talked really a lot about them. They go to Troy in what could be a uh, balance-changing game in the West. So keep an eye on that. Always fun to be with you, Christian. Robbie, I appreciate it, brother. We'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good.